0: There's a thread that connects all these practices that we're talking about. And it is, it just helps us slow down for a moment. So when we're tapping, we're slowing down. When we're breathing, we're slowing down. You know, it's these sacred moments, even in the day, just to sit and do nothing. Imagine that. Imagine doing nothing for a few minutes, not on the phone, not, you know, not do, just sit and do nothing and let, let ourselves kind of catch up with ourselves before we go on to the next thing. Welcome to
1: season four of the Tapping Into podcast. This is a podcast where we explore different spiritual, natural and alternative ways to heal our lives. My goal is to help support you in your journey, whatever stage that may be. In this season, we're digging a bit deeper into the emotions and traumas that often kickstart or accelerate our healing journey. We discuss shame, sex, death, burnout, Ayurveda, breathwork, flower essences, rituals and embodiment all with a bit of science to back it up at the end. I really hope you enjoy this season. Welcome back to this week's episode We're getting close to the end of the season now, which I'm quite sad about because it's been amazing talking to all of my wonderful guests. This season, I really wanted to explore breathwork and I couldn't think of a better guest than Neil O'Meara the breathwork guy in Ireland making big waves. He is the author of the book, The Blissful Breath, which I highly recommend. He co-hosts full moon breathwork meditation and yoga sessions on Kalani Beach, which a thousand people show up to each month. He's a certified level three Wim Hof method instructor and has 20 years experience in, in the wellness industry. Neil wants to transform how people feel and think by using our breath, nature and the cold He even has an amazing membership for children and teenagers of short breathwork recordings that I've been using with my son Casper every night since we recorded this episode. I absolutely adored this chat with Neil and could have kept going. We talk about our nervous system response and how our body reacts to stress and what the breath then does to support us and bring us back to a place of calm. We explore how regular breathing in specific ways can help you let go of tension, emotions, trauma, and even start to rewire the brain. I've been paying way more attention to my breath since this chat and since reading his book, and I hope you will too. Do let me know what you think, jump into my DMs, and let me know your big takeaways. Enjoy. Welcome Neil to the Tapping Into podcast. I am so grateful for you today.
0: Thank you for having me. It's great to finally meet and to chat.
1: I know. Um, You are kind of synonymous now with breath work and ice baths. And I was messaging my members, my community members this morning, telling them that we were chatting. And Nicola just responded with just, you are the king of calm. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, how did you become the king of calm?
0: Well, in my daily life here at home with the four <laughs> children and running a business and all that comes, out, I get lots of practice at trying to be calm. Um, but I suppose the the first time I felt aware that how we react to situations is different for everybody it was when when I was much younger, when I was a teenager playing basketball for Leinster, and we had this match in Malahide against I don't know who it was Munster or somebody, and there was a, a young fellow on on the court with me. We were about fifteen. And he was just falling apart in the game. And I remember looking at him and thinking, "God, I wonder what that's about." Because I wasn't feeling like that. You know, I felt I felt calm under the pressure. I didn't know any difference. And then from there, um, I've spent a long time meditating <laughs> and breathing and doing all the practices that he- that help. You know, and of course, um, anger and stress. In the short term, we're well able to deal with them. And there's always messages in the anger or in in the stress, if we can kind of uh, allow ourselves to kind of follow that a little bit. But ultimately, we, we should be trying to use practices like tapping or breathing or whatever it is to be able to bring ourselves back down out of those states. We don't want to be in those states for very long. You know, We're good at coming down in short bursts. But if those states of stress or anxiety or emergency become prolongs then we have a problem so I think that's where all these great practices come in
1: and so you know going through your teenage years obviously taking you into a an international career I believe in basketball um how did breathwork find you because I feel like you know this is absolutely your purpose your purpose to inspire to um you know drive the awareness of this tool similar to me with tapping you know I suppose you find something that works and you're like I want to shout it from the rooftops everyone needs to know about this yeah um and it becomes like just this kind of driving force for your everyday moves um how did breath find you
0: I've always had a very kind of intense relationship with breathing so um When I was born, according to my parents, uh, it was very dramatic and had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck and I couldn't breathe, you know, so I came out purple. So from the very beginning, there was this kind of this relationship, deep, not wholly complete relationship with breathing. Um, And that then developed into quite severe asthma uh, during my basketball days. And slowly I started to realize that my relationship with breathing was not all that we, uh, the doctors would tell you. The doctors would tell you, you know, asthma is a very um, based fully in the functioning of the body. You know, and what I started to believe as I kind of grew older, because I knew from the inhalers, the inhalers were meant to work after 15 minutes. But I realized that for me, I'd press the inhaler in the middle of the game and it would work instantly. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that they weren't meant to work instantly, you know, so I knew that there was something else going on because in my mind, I convinced myself it worked perfectly. Um, And so I started to realize that our breath then is very much a reflection of how we feel. So if we are feeling stressed or anxious, our breathing is shallow. Our breathing is erratic but when we are feeling happy and open and loving and calm our breathing also reflects that so you know that, that kind of understanding developed slowly over years and years and um it wasn't really till i got to train with uh, shifu yanzi of the shaolin temple a, a great kind of buddhist monk fighting buddhist monk uh, martial artist And he would have us doing these amazingly difficult physical training exercises. Then he'd stop us and he'd make us breathe and we'd feel totally refreshed and we'd go on and continue to do it. So that was kind of the first time when I thought, okay, we can control how we breathe and that can change how we feel as well.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? You talk about control there. Personally, when you were a child with your breath and Um, and your childhood experiences, did you feel out of control or were you always seeking control? Was control something that had come up for you?
0: Yeah, anyone who's had asthma knows the kind of feeling of total lack of control Mm -hmm. because you can feel your your air pipes kind of tightening. You're struggling to get that breath. And of course, then if we allow ourselves the panic comes in. What if I can't grab a breath? What if I can't continue to breathe? So I suppose a part of that struggle is the desire, the seeking of control over your breath. Um, And what I realize now much later on is that, is that very simple control over our breath can dictate so much about how we live our life. You know, so in any situation that we feel under pressure, if we can just find our breath and just place our attention gently on it, it begins to change. It begins to slow down and we begin to change. We begin to slow down. Mm. So yes, that kind of that seeking for control of the breath was always there, but it, I didn't really realize why at the beginning it was just survival. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to breathe so I can live, you know?
1: Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know, but I did EFT training and very shortly after, um, well, I did matrix Reimprinting training at the same time. I don't know if you know, but it's using tapping on memories, in particular, oh, traumatic brilliant. memories. Yeah. So you visualize this scene, but as a third party. So you're going back in and approaching your younger self. You could it's akin to inner child work yep. um, and you tap on yourself. And shortly after, I think I trained in the June and in the September, I did birth matrix re-imprinting, which is specific on birth trauma. Yes. And one of the things I hadn't realized, because I was doing it for from the perspective of to support the mom who'd had a traumatic birth. Yeah. Actually, the trainer was coming at it from the perspective of our own births. And cord wrapped down the neck was one of the things that came up as something that would absolutely... Cause a subconscious belief or decision very you know early on, and I think we we are now realizing how conscious we are in neutral and through the birth process.
0: absolutely. But
1: your your neck, because you raised that, would have absolutely served a purpose for your destiny and your yeah. fulfillment, because that thinking I can't breathe, thinking you know am i meant to be here whatever little decision you made or belief that you interpreted from an event has gone on to shape the rest of your life
0: yeah Uh, and i i i came to that conclusion myself as well about 13 years ago when my first child was born and he was very early he was 10 weeks early so you know really dramatic you know and Mm -hmm. um he, was, he, he came out and we had to go straight into the incubator and he lived in there for the first three weeks or so. And I remember watching him the first night. And like you said, I was looking at him and he was, so, he was like a bird in the incubator and he was fighting for his life. And I remember thinking, firstly, how this whole experience will shape the rest of his life, will mm-hmm. shape his personality. And then also thinking, how does he know what to fight for? you know, why, why is he fighting to live, you know? And that opened up in my mind, lots of possibilities. One about my own, as you said, my own kind of fight for life at the beginning and how that affected my life. But also I had no opinion on reincarnation really beforehand. But when I saw him fighting, I thought to myself, you know, it is possible that he has a sense that he's fighting for something. So where did that sense come from? You know, he, he arrived pre-programmed, you know, in a, in a way when I was watching him. And, uh, and we then raised him in a very specific way to help him fulfill how he could live, given what happened to him. You know, so for example, uh, he's a fighter and in, in all ways, very kind child, but a fighter. So he's been in martial arts since he could move, you know, and it's like a fish in water when he's when he's in that kind yeah. of environment. So, so, yes, I I totally can see where my own beginnings have had this ripple up through my life to to where I am now. And when I was writing the book, that really came to me, you know, that that idea that it's like anything. Our our, our first impressions of things are, are very strong. So our first impressions of, of this this part of our life is hugely strong as well.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if you know our story, my story, but. I found tapping because we lost our firstborn after birth. It was um, a lack of oxygen during the labor process that wasn't identified. And so when you were just describing kind of your traumatic birth of your son and just thinking back to to us and to Alice, and she was on cooling for three days, and then we took her off life support at five days. And God, I I was just thinking earlier before we chatted, I was thinking... I don't think I took a breath mm. during those yep. five days. You know, I, yep. I was so unaware of what was happening in my body. I certainly knew my, I was burping all the time. And when I, when I release energy, I burp. I don't know if you do the same, yeah. but, um, and I yawn and I burp. And so those first few days, my stomach was like, in like a washing machine, you know, just absolute pain. My heart was torn apart and I'd never known pain like it. But I didn't know. I didn't have any of the tools. I didn't know what to do. And thinking back, if I'd known to just breathe, (laughs) just to get more oxygen in, I may have had more clarity, more presence. So in the height of trauma and experience, like, were you... Did you use the breath at that point thirteen years ago, or did that come later?
0: at that point i was um yes i had kind of i had studied breathing through Qigong martial arts I had studied breathing through pranayama and yoga um i had you know the the breath was definitely part of of my thinking, but like you said at that point the practice wasn't as deep as it is now, you know? So at that point, when all that's happening, you totally forget about your breath. And the more the pressure piles on you, the more emotional pressure, you know, the pressure of, is this child going to survive? What happens next? And and all those things, the further and further we get from remembering to breathe. If If we look at our breath as this, which it is, it's very simply, the thing that keeps us alive you know so so if it is this thing that keeps us alive the more fully we are engaged with it the more fully we are alive the less we are engaged with it, the less we are alive in a way you know and and when we're under extreme pressure the breath and the senses fragment in a way you know and we lose that connection with them and that's where now all these years later when other types of extreme pressure are on me the breath is the first thing that i think about because once you can get a grip of that breath you can get a grip of everything that's that's happening or more importantly you can let it all go <laughs> you don't have to get a grip on it. but the 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 breath gives it gives us that option
1: just completely brings you down so as with you know tapping um talk a lot about fight flight freeze the parasympathetic yep. the response system and is calling me but i haven't yet researched into it fully um and a lot of my members and tappers will understand what happens in their body when stress occurs for those that are new to this world of understanding how our body reacts to our environment can you take us through what happens? What goes on? Because your your cave analogy in the book is so beautiful. Because usually I just talk about the the um, the tiger and the you know either the the gazelle playing dead or <laughs> the running and the fighting. But you really illustrate that lovely in the book.
0: Yeah, it's a great way. To, it's a very simple way of kind of trying to get our heads around it. So if we bring our minds back to our ancestors, and I mean, when we go way way back, um, when we were hunters and gatherers. Um, we, we let's say for example, we lived in the cave. So in the cave it was warm and dry and dark. And in the cave we felt safe. And that feeling of safety is so important. So in the cave we could rest, we could recover, we could, we could digest, we could allow our bodies to to heal themselves. But of course, we have to go outside the cave to gather and hunt and to live. And the minute, and it's like a, you know, it's a minute we step outside. The movement of the wind, the the movement of the clouds, the temperature, everything starts to, to stimulate the body and we start to move up into this fight or flight response, even, even in a small way. And of course, our ancestors, when they were outside the cave, they had to actually either hunt or be hunted. So outside the cave was this kind of high speed, dramatic, everything high alert. And that's, you know, that's how we often live. Um, in this state of emergency the state of agitation the state of survival the state of fight or flight but when we come back into our cave you know we can use our breath to come back down into the state where we can rest and recover but the difficulty is uh, in our caves nowadays we have these so every time we look at this every time we scroll even though we might think but we're being stimulated we're you know We're being kind of pushed back up into that fight or flight. So something as simple as focusing for a few moments on that long, calm exhale. (sighs) Brings us back down into this part of the nervous system where we feel safe again, where we can heal again. You know, and even though we might live in a cave, the breath can become this sanctuary. This breath can become this place that we come back to that helps us come back down out of fight or flight and come back into this sanctuary this cave where we, we can start to heal again
1: when you talk about the cave it reminds me of the womb and you know when you have this dark safe place where you're cared for and nurtured and getting what you need um i wonder is the is there a a link between you know taking control of the act of breath bringing you back into that womb space that safe space
0: mm, absolutely um i think you know a lot of my work as well is with breathing and the cold and breathing in nature and and i used to wonder about this link between um the sanctuary that we have that we, we 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 seek you know going back to the womb and the breath and the cold like the external the outside the cave and I heard a doctor talking a couple of years ago and they were describing how in the womb we're so safe and the mother is breathing for us. We're not breathing. The mother is breathing for us and everything's coming through uh, the mother. And then we come out into the world and it's the shock of being outside the cave, outside the sanctuary, outside the womb. It's the cold of being out there that ignites our first breath. So we take this breath in and it triggers this chain reaction down through the body where the lungs start to work and everything starts to open up again. So there's this link at the very beginning of our life between coming out of the cave and the shock of being out of the cave and our breath. And this link between the cold, which could be the out of the cave part, and our breath and feeling safe. And right from the beginning, there's this this relationship. Hold and the breath, and, and I feeling safe. And I suppose when we come back to learning how to breathe in, in a calm, deep way, it brings us back there into that cave, into that room again.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful, so powerful, and having the the, pra- the breath work practice. I guess it's like with tapping; the more you do it, the more you can lean into it. The more that it is there at the forefront of the mind when things start to feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and now at the moment, um, we're starting to do a lot more work with children and teenagers. Just giving, given how you know nervous and worried and anxious everyone is after a couple of years of being locked down, and you know, it's it's how I teach the teachers or teach the parents is that there's no point in, in saying to a child or a teenager, "Okay, breathe deeply now in the middle of a crisis when we haven't practiced it before," mm. you know, so. The practice is doing like five or 10 minutes when everything is okay. And, you know, like everything else, a practice, then we know what it is. We're familiar with it a bit more. So then when we're in the crisis, children and teenagers are amazing at how quickly they respond to this. Once they've done it, they're just like, I'm sure it's the same with tapping. They're yeah. just like, they want to feel, you know, like themselves They're They can feel that urged back to homeostasis that urge back to balance and they're and they're empowered by being able to take a breath or two or to tap or, you know to, to bring themselves back so um that's where the practice is and, and same with the big humans you know if mm-hmm. we do a little bit of breathing uh, as a practice then when the time comes we have that link with it already
1: um the the emotional part of it you know the so what happens when we are s- triggered with a stressful situation our mind fires a thought our emotions um are are responding to that thought they're responding to the the environment outside and around us how do how does breathing help us with our emotions
0: yeah it's 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 a great question and even before the thought triggers the nervous system has already reacted to the situation like the heart rate has already gone flying up you know mm. and as part of that reaction then like anxiety is is coupled very closely with stress and it serves a very good function you know so the function of anxiety in that stressful situation is to narrow our our field of of attention and to bring it down onto the, the dangerous thing and to imagine the worst case scenario because then we prepare for the worst case scenario, and then that helps us not uh, to avoid the worst case scenario. So, so how we experience that emotionally is that when something happens to us, our mind and our body starts this complex reaction to it, and we can then start to emotionally start to feel all these kind of thoughts and trigger another thought comes as, you know another negative thought and another negative thought, and before before we know it, we're thinking something so terrible and actually hasn't even properly happened yet. So, you know, again, if we can find our breath in this situation and we can just focus on that long, slow exhale, it, it begins to unwind that whole process. It begins to unravel that whole process. So it, the breath after, you know, let's say four long exhales, the vagus nerve kicks in and it starts to the lower the heart rate. It starts to soften the body the body starts to feel safe again that narrow focus in the worst case scenario actually starts to open again so and it's all to do with the function of kind of pulling us back out of that fight or flight response and, and pulling us down so the whole the body starts to open but the the mind and the emotions start to open it's very hard to to feel love in your heart when you're in the middle of you know somebody attacks you on the street you know but you know if we can kind of pull ourselves back from that and take a step back and sit there and kind of breathe ourselves back into a state where we kind of feel more like ourselves and we can breathe ourselves back to a place where we're more open we might see that we could love that person if we understood them a little bit more we might see that we we understood that you know th- those things start to happen so we can start to unravel and unpack and, and set ourselves back up emotionally when we start to focus on that breath.
1: You mentioned openness and it's in the book quite a bit, and you've mentioned it a couple of times already. And what I'm hearing from you is actually openness is the potential to have a broader perspective of a situation to, to not, and and the opposite obviously is a narrow perspective, isn't it? So, um, or a closed perspective. So, you know visualized in multiple color dots all in a row so the thing that happened okay and the next line is um things that you remember happened are a couple of those say red dots out of yeah. the multiple dots and the story that you tell yourself afterwards is literally just the that perspective on repeat and i find this obviously with limiting leads Learning. people get retrieved really so easily because their nervous system and their subconscious is geared up to protect them going forward. Um, so the, this this openness that you talk about, I don't think people think about this a lot. It feels quite a possibly an unexplored, untalked about state of being would that be right?
0: I think we, I think we move from a state of openness to a state of closeness or open-minded to narrow-minded all the time. Hmm. I think, so a person gets up in the morning and, you know, they hear something or they look at their phone and it triggers a reaction to them. They That, that reaction is either opening them up or closing them down.
1: So expanding or contracting.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and that happens throughout our day. So we, so we step out of the house and we walk down the road and we see the sea and the beautiful horizon, you know, and, and we've seen it, it's science has shown us now that even that view of the horizon starts to activate the vagus nerve and it starts to calm us down. So again, we feel we're kind of opening, you know, it reminds me of, of a flower, you know, it's either opening or it gets cold and dark and starts to close again. You know, so we do move between these states all the time, but where I think we're not talking about it is, that we can use these amazing things in us that are there already, like the breathing, tapping, moving, to take this natural response and to use it to our advantage, to use it as a force for good in our life. So instead of it just randomly happening to us because of things in our environment, we can say, okay, I want to actually feel more open. I want to feel more loving. I don't want to feel this this anger, this, this grudge against this person. So how do we do that? in in the case that we're talking about here, we, we can do some breathing, just do f- two minutes of breathing, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes of breathing, and it starts to open us up. And that's on the microcosm. Mm-hmm. You know the macrocosm is that if we continue to practice all the time, we are continually opening up. We're becoming more honest with ourselves, we're becoming you know more honest with the people around us. and a great way to kind of to to gauge if all of this stuff is working, is if the relationships in our lives are improving and not just with the people we like, <laughs> with the people we dislike. And that doesn't mean, you know, that we, it doesn't mean that the people we dislike, we have to have a good relationship with them all. It means that our, you know, how we feel about all these relationships improves. And that's a great way of of kind of noticing this opening that happens within us.
1: I love that. What about for the person who is struggling with self-belief and self-confidence because of things they've done in the past, maybe guilt they're carrying or trauma that they're carrying that is unprocessed, unresolved, unreleased, buried deep. Mm. How do you help somebody who's just lost all faith in themselves?
0: So this is where the breathing is nearly like magic. So all the, per- all the person has to do, firstly, they have to really want it. You know, They have to really want that change. Mm. And that commitment is, is the first part of it. Because even though sometimes we say we want to change, when we actually get down to it, the resistance to doing the breathing isn't just a resistance to doing something new. It's a resistance to change ourselves. Because when we, let's say we feel a certain way, We spend a few minutes breathing. We feel different at the end of it. So we have to really want to feel that difference, that change. So that kind of commitment to ourselves to change is very important. Then it's a commitment to doing maybe five or 10 minutes of breathing every day. And not necessarily, we don't have to worry about, is this getting down to fix the trauma? We just have to do it. We just have to breathe. We just have to let the breath start to change the chemistry in the blood. We have to let the breath start to change how the nervous system works. We have to let the breath start to work on it slowly, slowly and deeply. And then they will slowly start to feel, and when I mean slowly, the minute they sit down to breathe, they'll feel different. Then after it, they'll feel different. But the, the deep changes start to happen over a couple of weeks, a couple of months, you know, longer. And the interesting thing about how the breathing practice can help people is it's what they notice after a while is, so let's say they had a pro every, let's say they had this kind of emotional thing that they always reacted in this way to something. What they'll notice is they probably haven't reacted to that way in ages. And they'll say, Jesus, I used to react all the time to that. It's Mm -hmm. like things start to kind of dissolve and disappear, you know, and they, and you don't really notice sometimes until maybe a little bit after when it's gone, you know, or, or it's not as strong. So so in a way, the only conscious kind of part of this is the commitment at the beginning to, to want to change, and then you just keep doing the breathing, and then it starts to starts to work.
1: I'm an EFT tapping practitioner and trainer, and I might work with women all over the world, helping them truly let go so they can shape their own future, free of the conditioning and shackles of the past. I've created a Tapping Into Motherhood membership and community where we meet monthly to tap on emotions and issues that are coming up for us. We have monthly full moon meditations with guest host, Kelly Day. We enjoy guest speakers, and I create a tapping or meditation for the month too. As well as that, you have access to a library of over 100 tapping videos, meditations, resources, courses, and more. And right now, the doors are open for just a short period of time. So check out www.tappingformums.com forward slash join dash membership for all the details. And if the doors are closed when you visit, you can join a waitlist. On my website, you can also take my new Motherhood Self-Care Toolkit Quiz to help you identify which part of your life needs a bit of extra self-care right now. Is it your mind, your emotions, your body, or your soul? And if you have any questions, do email me, sarah at tappingformoms.com. And this resistance is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I um, I signed up for a breath work. Uh, was actually, it was actually, um, it was a cycle. So I was learning about my cycles then. Yeah. And- my period and it was we were doing breath work at each part of the stage of the cycle and I really really struggled like it was I think it was good 20 to 25 minutes um she played nice music and stuff but the breath I found difficult a difficult rhythm it wasn't kind of anything you've mentioned in your book I don't think and my god it was activating some uncomfortable feelings in my body and it was like I couldn't. It was. I didn't want to continue. You know, it was yeah. the, the resistance was so strong that I was like, "No, I'm outside this. I can't do this yeah. anymore." <laughs> and, and I even had to tap myself through, keep it going. You know, one yeah. or two of the times, and then I was like, "Oh no, I don't want to. Go, I don't want to go back there." <laughs> yeah. So I felt that through me in the deep end with yeah. breathwork, where what I feel like you've got in your book is much more a gentle approach in so tell me what was going on there with with my body and my subconscious
0: (laughs) yeah so there's there's quite a few layers to the resistance to breathing and we'll come specifically back to your experience in a second yeah so over the years I always thought that the breathing would be something that people would really love doing you know, why wouldn't you love taking a few minutes to do some breathing to some nice music and feeling great and all the benefits that come with it? <laughs> I was totally and utterly wrong about that. You know? <laughs> um, and that's what the, the book, The Blissful Breath is really all about. It's trying to get somebody from n- no kind of breathing exercises at all to just doing a little bit, you know, because yeah. I think that beginning is the hardest part. Yeah. And initially, I always thought that the resistance to it was the fact that we are built to breathe all the time without thinking about it. So our bodies here, here we're chatting away and people are listening and we're breathing without really thinking about it. And the great thing is we can not think about it at all. And it just happens. Yeah. So I thought the the resistance was kind of built into us because our bodies somewhere on a deep level are saying to us, look, don't bother doing this breathing. We're already breathing. You don't have to do it. You know, so it's not like food where we, if the food doesn't, we actually have to go and get the food. It's not just going to appear in front of us, (laughs) but with the breathing, it kind of disappears in front of us. So I think that on one level there's that kind of biological imperative to not worry too much about breathing you know and not to give it much value. But what I discovered then over the years was that the resistance to breathing is is often a resistance to changing. Because a few breaths changes us. Within a few breaths we can feel different. So somewhere in a you know, we are resisting the idea that we're going to sit down and change by breathing. So that's, you know, and that's not a conscious thing, but it's, it's a resistance thing. And everybody feels, it. you know, everyone feels it. And then eventually it starts to change because eventually the body starts to crave the breathing because it feels, it feels the benefits and we feel the benefits. And all of a sudden then there's this switch where we actually crave these few minutes of of breathing calmly and deeply. So that's that's one way of looking at it. Mm. Now, when you go back to your specific experience, breathing like everything has many elements to it, many moods to it, many colors to it, many paces, many rhythms. So we can go, like say, holotropic breathing is breathing that brings about the same um deep profound changes as psychedelics you know and all the other stuff but it's two or three hours of breathing as fast as you can and not stopping with big music that can get you to a place you know like psychedelics can get people to so that's on one end of the scale and the blissful breath my book is on the other end of the scale and so Along that, along that scale, there's all types of intensities and all types of feelings. So sometimes the, our breathing can bring us into a state that is very comfortable and very uncomfortable. It can help us have these amazing revelations about ourselves and they can be you know a, a whole range of things. But sometimes it's not what we need at that time. Sometimes the intense breathing is not what we need. Sometimes we need something else. Sometimes the, the calm breathing is not what we need. Sometimes we need something else. So it just depends on where you are at that time, at, the, at that place. And always with breathing, my advice is to people, is no matter what type of breathing you're doing, to find your own pace and your own rhythm, even if it's in a group setting and it's kind of intense breathing and it's, you know it's very loud and everything, just finding your own pace and your own rhythm is the way to get down into the depths because otherwise we're kind of forcing it a little bit and if we're forcing it with breathing then we're we're probably missing out on some of those great benefits as well
1: and then you may not want to go back to it which was my kind of initial reaction yeah this with with tapping as well you know like when people come to me for a one-to-one they're coming to me to work on you know some deep stuff and you know, the subconscious doesn't want you to go outside your comfort zone. Your subconscious doesn't want to go there and open Pandora's box because looking at... I feel like breath and tapping may be similar here. I feel like it's a safe container for opening Pandora's box Um where previously you've not had the right tool or any kind of support to open that box. And so yeah. that's really scary, isn't it? So for having not done having not had a container or not being held and supported through going to some deep stuff that can really put you off. And the resistance is like, Oh, I'm not going to look at it. You know, so they might look at me and think, Oh yeah, that sounds all interesting. And I know they're going to be a benefit, but I just can't go there yet. I'm just not ready. And you know, and that's natural. I completely, completely understand that. And sometimes like I see this with my son, this morning on the way to camp he realized that he was he wasn't going with any friends and i was kind of nervous that yeah because he previously has only gone with friends and in the car on the way i was trying to tell him about the breath right and i was like do you know casper you know do you know what anxiety is you know that sometimes when you feel a bit nervous in your tummy and he started to shut me down he's like no stop (laughs) and i said you know you can take some deep breaths stop and i was like just three on the end he's like stop (laughs) And when I that's the same with tapping, unless he's lying down and it's at night time and it's a it's a wind down tool and I don't say anything, I just tap, he does not want to know. And he doesn't want to know because he wants to sit in the feeling. He wants to feel how he's feeling. He doesn't want me to move him through it. He just wants to be in it. Yeah. And I get that. Sometimes I'm I'm feeling a bit off and I don't want to tap I actually just want to feel it like to really own that feeling rather than moving through it and then other times I can't tap quick enough because I want to move it through as fast as possible is that the same with the breath like do you find you use it personally in very different ways
0: yes all the time um and and the breath because it's our constant companion it's always with us you know so no matter what we're feeling our breath is always accompanying us there and it reflects how we're feeling so if you're feeling that kind of nerves or worry you know if we can allow ourselves to feel those things and just stay with the breath a little bit and just be conscious of the breathing it allows us if we want to to really explore why we're feeling that way so as you said sometimes we might want we may not want to Transform how we feel immediately. Maybe there's something in that worry or anxiety or anger that if we just give ourselves a little bit of space, we can figure out why am I really feeling like now? A child obviously is different, you know, in, in that way. Um, at this stage, but for adults, you know, we can really use the breath to to stay with that feeling and to try and unpack, you know, really get down into that. Like, why am I feeling worried about is this? Well, no, it's actually, and you know, it, it can be used. The breath can be used if you just stay with it. And by that, I mean, if we just are feeling something and we just gently put our attention on our breathing, we'll feel more of what we're feeling. If our attention's on the breath, you'll feel the body moving. we will get a sense of where we are. And it just gives us a little bit of time to, to either to continue to feel like that and try to figure out what's going on. Or if we say, okay, you know, I really need to feel calmer or more energised. We can just begin to change the breath then, but I think it's because the breath is with us always. It's always there. There is this relationship with it, even if we're not conscious of it, you know. And it is tied to how we're feeling. So it's, it's you know I see it as this companion that's there all the time with us, you know. And and we can they can help us or they they may not. Depending.
1: I was going to ask, have you like personified your breath? You know, like so I work with some people and we personify the ego. We can sometimes give it a name um ego strokes so, you know subconscious yeah um, have you got a a personification for the breath
0: not necessarily a personification but i spend so much time thinking about it. <laughs> I, I do, you know where i am now at the moment with my understanding of breathing um is that some of the old texts talk about that there's a breath within the breath you know that there's this so when we become so conscious of our breathing and when we start to see that there's all these layers to our breath, that within that there's another breath, you know so at the moment that's my new obsession is trying to figure out what that means and how to get there, so there's no personification of it, but there is this kind of depth, constant, constant depth, studying of it, absolutely
1: I feel like you're going to go on in like do an interception in you know, <laughs> like
0: a dream within a dream
1: yeah <laughs> Um how so i know that yourself and your wife now are on this journey together and you did your Wim Hof training um i was curious to know how is doing this together impacted your relationship your closeness your parenting because not a lot of people that i can see are in this together with their partners you know i think this is quite A beautiful rarity from the outside looking in. But I'd love to know um, what it's like for the two of you.
0: Um, It's probably the best part about everything that's happening in our lives. Um, And it goes back to where we met each other. See, Josie and I, um, I used to work, this is way back before the internet was a big thing, in 1999, (laughs) when the internet was still a young thing that no one understood. I worked for this company called iVenus.com. And I used to write articles for for them, and then one day Josie started, and she sat down right beside me. So for the beginning of our relationship was working together, you know. Mm-hmm. So as we as we kind of we moved to London, and we you know we started to have a relationship and a family, and I all I I always wanted us to be working together again, you know, and um, and then in the midst of discovering Wim Hof method and using it to deal with trauma and and grief and and the stress of four young children and all that kind of stuff it really bonded us because we get all the children up to bed you know we'd sit here be like 10 o'clock at night in this room and we say okay we'll do our we'll put on the video do our Wim Hof breathing and it started to bond us in a very different kind of way you know and then we have to go upstairs and do a cold shower like half 10 at night you know and um so very early on we could see as the business started to take off that this was our opportunity to, to spend more time together and to work together again. And then it, it, you know, when you, when you make a decision like that or any decision, it has a life of its own. It goes off in all these different ways. So Josie did her cacao facilitator training, and that has been a big part of our lives for the last couple of years, like many people. So now we combine on events so that I'll do blissful breathing and Josie will bring in a cacao ceremony. And it's great to have um, this common ground with somebody, you know. And I I suppose when I look at my parents, my parents were very different people, or are very different people, but they are both obsessed with traditional Irish music. So they play music all the time together and everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of brought up in a house where the two of them were like playing away together, instruments and everything. And maybe that had some some influence on me that you know. Josie and I just work together on the events and we do our, you know, we, we practice together and, and it's very supportive because I know it's not the same for everybody. I know that some people in relationships, you know, their partner might very respectfully acknowledge what they're doing, but not be into it at all. Mm. you know. And yeah. I think that's more kind of common. Um, so I definitely really appreciate that we have this, this, a sacred common ground together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It looks fantastic. And so do your events. So, your last full moon event I've just saw how many people have you on the beach how, it looks like thousands of people we had
0: 1200 people on the beach
1: like isn't that just amazing 1200 people on the beach breathing moving swimming yeah cacao the bonding that you can even see in the stories and snippets that you've shared how is this how is this cultivated how have you done that
0: (laughs) it's again it's like this thing that has a life of its own you know so uh christine uh she's spiritual wellness coaching on instagram christine started this about 11 months ago and she brought me in then as part of it as a guest on it and it just exploded it has exploded you know like imagine 1200 people on a beach you know under the full moon and you know it's great it gives fun me shivers. yeah and it's great crack and it has just touched something in people it's I, everyone comes to it for different reasons i think but just to be outside first it's, it's an excuse to be outside outside on <laughs> the full moon celebrating the full moon and celebrating it in a way that this this object in the sky pulls and pushes the tides and us and you know and, and it's a time to do that but it's also a time that people are interested in different ways of of viewing themselves and the world and different ways of of changing how they feel and it's just connected with people deeply and it's just it's just spreading like this this huge big experience and
1: expanding
0: expanding. and to be honest Mm. it is such great crack to be up there and people are up for a laugh and it's a beautiful atmosphere but you know if somebody was asked me how how it happened and what are the steps to it I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's just the right thing at the right time. And it's, and it's just, um, and, and uh, that's evident by the amount of people that make the effort to go down there.
1: Yeah, I have many friends that have been and, and go regularly. Um, a couple of my members as well. And I mean, God, if I was in Dublin, I would be there every full <laughs> moon. Oh, absolutely. And I keep wanting somebody, like I live right on the beach here and I keep wanting someone to do this here. I'm like oh I don't want to have to do it myself I just want to go and participate (laughs) I know I
0: know know. you know what I mean (laughs) I don't want to always be the leader I know I know I know but maybe this is maybe this is just one other thing you have to lead on until somebody else takes it over
1: (laughs) maybe maybe yeah um it looks just so beautiful so tell me about then the breath in the cold water and how how that is improving people's lives
0: yeah I, how I, did you
1: find Wim Hof
0: oh good old Wim so I was in the kitchen one night um making uh, bottles for our, our twins and uh I, oh god I was exhausted and you know we were struggling the four babies were under four and we our life was you know amazing that we had the four children but just it was i described it to somebody i it was like a nuclear bomb going off in your in your living room you know that's, that's that's how big the the change was so i heard wim talking on a podcast and what he what he was talking about made so much sense to me in in a kind of abstract way about how the breathing and the cold could have these huge profound effects on our health and our well-being because i had always swam in the cold sea as a teenager i'm just from portmarnock up on the north county dublin coast there so it always been in the cold and then i had this new you know interest in, in the breathing but i'd never fully put the two of them together i'd never fully you know kind of felt that um but then you know as i trained with william and and kind of and that became part of my life you know, the breathing and the cold, as we said earlier, is, is there from the very beginning of our life. This, mm-hmm. this relationship between the shock of the cold as we're born and the breath. And I think no matter where we live, even the hot countries, there's, there's a transition. There's always a hot and a cold. There's always a dark and a light. There's always these kind of opposing forces that we have to find a balance with. And uh, for me, the way Wim has described the cold and the breath and how he's put it all together just was like the it was like the missing piece in the puzzle. When when I kind of started doing that, is like everything else started to kind of make sense. Then as a result, so um, you know, so we teach. I teach Wim Hof method now all over all over the place, and and it's such a privilege to guide people through the breath. And then then obviously people are terrified of the cold, mm-hmm. but the, but the cold is really like the teacher, you know. So we can breathe and we can practice our breathing but then can we practice it in the cold? You know, so it's like placing ourselves in this extremely shocking, chaotic, pressured situation and then practicing the breathing. So I see the cold baths, the ice baths, the cold sea, the cold river. I see all of those as a breathing practice. So can we find that breath in the cold? And when we can find that breath in the cold and find that sense of calm in the chaos of the cold, then we can find it anywhere.
1: That is beautiful. In your book, is that the performance breadth?
0: So the performance... That's
1: slightly different.
0: It's slightly different. Um, the performance one, it, it's kind of unusual. Performance is a strange thing because when we're in a, in a performance, as we said earlier, we just forget about everything. You know, mm-hmm. We just forget about the breath. We forget about, <laughs> you know, we, we lose track of things. So the, you know, the, the first part is just finding that breath, you know, just finding that breath and, and using it uh, as a, our, as an advantage, you know, it's there, it's waiting for us to use it. So just trying to find it and use it.
1: Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier teenagers and children, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to spend some time because obviously a lot of these, that our listeners are moms or our parents, um, you have this new program, a new membership that is supporting children and teenagers with um, breathwork. So tell us about that.
0: Yeah, it, it came about from necessity. So um, our our two youngest are identical twin girls, and they're you know they're very brave, and they would be out in their bike cycling up and down the road. But after two years of COVID, something strange happened. All of a sudden. They were extraordinarily anxious. I know anxiety is a word that's kind of used a lot, but, you know, they felt this dread all the time without knowing where it was coming from. They felt that Josie, if she left the house, was going to be murdered. You know, it it got to the point where Josie couldn't go anywhere at all. Wow. So so after two years of listening to... And we were trying to kind of not let them listen to too much, but, like, after two years of all that COVID talk and Mm -hmm. death numbers and everything their little bodies were just holding on to all of this stress and trauma. So initially it was to help them. I thought to myself, okay, look, I help people all over the world, adults. I have to help these two little children upstairs. So I went and sought out two of the kind of most eminent clinical psychiatrists in America who deal with trauma through breath and deal with stress through breath. And I went and, and trained with them and um and talk what i've learned with them and what i've learned from elsewhere and started to create these little recordings for my daughters so we'd we'd listen to them before we went to bed and we could see immediately that there was this direct link when we were doing the breathing with them the anxiety and the worry started to lessen. as we stopped doing the breathing it would, it would kind of go come back again wow so at the same time as this was going on, my daughters weren't the only ones feeling this. I was getting emails from loads of parents and teachers saying, look, I know you teach me anything you can do with the children. So um, what I started to do was I a couple of teachers very kindly started to, I send them the, the recordings that I created for my daughters and they would use them in their in their classrooms with the children and they would feed back to me. And so we had this kind of great system where, I'd send recordings out. The teachers would use them. They'd tell me what works. So, so for example, the children loved, and, and I mean children, I mean teenagers as well, loved birdsong in in the in the back of the recordings. Yeah. You know? So right. as we, were, we so 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 we incorporated more birdsong into them. So we had this beautiful system where we'd send out the recordings. We'd get feedback. and We'd create new recordings. So then, without thinking of it, like one day I said to myself, you know not just the school, not just my daughters, there's loads of people who could really benefit from this. So that's that was the kind of the genesis, that was the beginning of, of the blissful breathing for teenagers and children. So we now have a community of families in there using the, the, the recordings all the time. And there's like five guiding principles. It's not just, hey, child, do the breathing. You know, mm-hmm. the parent or the guardian or the teacher also has to do the breathing with them. Because obviously... The little humans mimic the, the big humans. Modeling the yes, brain- absolutely. Yeah. So there's guiding principles in there as well, but we're working in September now with all types of schools, schools that are very well resourced and schools that are in the you know the most difficult parts of, of Ireland as well. And we're getting, you know, the so whole idea is that as the children and teenagers use the recordings. That they feed back to us and we create new recordings and put them into the community again so it's a moving living um kind of program and the results the results are really quick you know because what i love about working with teenagers and children is they don't have whatever hang-ups the adults have you know they just they just do it and they feel great it's like done you know and what i'm finding is thankfully our girls now I've had some huge improvements, massive improvements. And what I'm finding is that, like we said earlier, the little practice of, you know, it's usually the last thing at night that the parents and children or, you know, to the breathing together, it starts to work and work and work and slowly these things, the problems start to dissolve and disappear. Um, so it's great. It's probably, probably, I think, one of the most important things we've done in the last few years.
1: It's amazing. Um, thinking about my eldest, he, um, has trouble going to sleep on his own at nighttime. So I have to sit with him and we're about to start some sleep training, you know, he's six and a half. Um, how would I guess, so taking, you know, this membership and this access, how would I approach that with him? How would I engage him to do it, um, to start
0: with? Yeah. So, um, we had loads of practice at this trying to figure this out with all the different children. So Mm -hmm. what we advise is um, now it's different in schools. So we put schools aside. We'll talk about your specific example there. So there's a point at which at night where it's, uh, you know, the stories are read, the lights are off, you know, it's time to lie. Everyone's lying down. So what we recommend is that at that stage, the parent lies with them or on the ground and they have their speaker and there's recordings in there. There's, there's a few that we recommend starting with, but we recommend as well that the children decide which recordings they listen to. You know, so the child will find a recording they love. And the other way children are, they'll want to listen to that a hundred times. Yeah. The you know, The adult will be like, I've heard this one about a hundred times. You know, but the child <laughs> likes the safety of the repetition. Yes, of course. So, so we have a few that we recommend starting on and you just play it. You just play it. And, and do it together. And do it together. And the the kind of important thing for the the parent is that there's no right way of doing it because you know parents will be like, okay, we have to do it. And this maybe is the hang up that takes a while for for adults to kind of get the breathing. Sometimes the child can do the breathing, whatever they'll they'll do an interpretation. They'll do
1: whatever they, do they want, want. really. Yeah. 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 So I
0: have one child who lies in his front and is playing Lego while half doing it. I have another child who does a you know lying on the back, totally. Yeah. So. It's the parents just to allow the child to, even if they don't look like they're doing much breathing, they're listening to it. Yeah, they're starting to get, yeah. yeah, And then what I love to see happen is the child then gets in a rhythm where the child is saying to the parent, are we not doing our breathing? You know, because they they get get in this rhythm. part they, of the
1: routine. It's part yes.
0: of the routine. And they start to fall asleep really easily. They start to associate the, the music and the bird song and the voice and, you know, that's what I love about working with teenagers and children. They're great at adapting, and when they adapt, it's really in there. Then you know they're yeah, they're, in they're, they're in the zone then, and that's you know. So for yourselves, it's that p- moment before going to sleep. That's probably the best place to do it.
1: Do you know, I am actually going to sign up today because <laughs> um, I am. Uh, we, I was I was looking at um, meditations on Spotify for him through the other night, and they were all ladies and he kept asking for a man's voice. Mm. And so I think what you have for him will be really good, especially if there's music and something for him to listen to as well. And I think he's also got a bit of SPD. So kind of um, on the unders, uh, not oversensitized, but undersensitized side. So I do think that teaching him a tool that he can use, I mean, thinking of, especially thinking of these teenagers, like, having this skill for life, you know, yeah. is incredible. And I have I have a vision for a not-for-profit um, for te- t- for tapping for teenagers at, at some yeah. point
0: as well. Um, it's, it, like it's essential work, getting yeah. so tapping to teenagers, get whatever, you know, after the initial, oh, I'm not doing it, they're totally open to anything that will help them. You yeah, know, you
1: know? especially exam years. Don't oh, my God. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think the more tools, and this is why some of the schools are so great. Like on one end of the kind of economic spectrum, you have schools who are desperate for any help, you know, and they're willing to try it. At the other end end of the economic spectrum, you have schools that are, have all the resources that can, you know, they want to bring in the best kind of thing. So so whatever way we can get into the schools, you know, and help the teenagers, you know, it's it's very important. And just for your son as well, in Blissful Breathing for Children and Teenagers, we have, because we, you know, have, humans are we have these 20 day 25 day and 30 day challenges that you print it off and you you, ideally you stick it you know somewhere that they like and every day they tick it off and they have to describe in one word how they feel after the breathing and you know Mm -hmm. children love that you know they're so we're so kind of competitive Oh,
1: so competitive yeah
0: yeah so that's okay so So our our daughter was the same she is really competitive and I was like how do we use this to help her? And I was like, oh, there it is. So they're there every time they've finished the 20-day, now they're on the 25-day and it's just a little structure to help them keep going.
1: Amazing. I love that. Um, so I will start to wrap up soon, but because I'm, I'm conscious of your time, um, parents and, um, you know, busy moms and the, all the different types of breath from your book. I mean, obviously, I... Really recommend this book. A, it's beautiful, beautifully done. Like the cover is stunning. And did you self-publish it, or was that
0: no Hardy Grants? Uh, yeah, yeah, their global publisher. So they, so they were brilliant. I let them decide. I said, look, you know, design. Show me what you have, and they came back with that, and I was like, yep, there you go.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, really, really beautiful. And um, so, would really recommend this book, especially. Um, for busy mums, because actually it's really easy and quick to read. Yes. And you take, um, you take us very gently through the different types of breaths. So as I was yes. reading, I was breathing and that's, you know, just getting the repetition in there and, yes. and remind, remembering the breath. I have found that there's, I didn't realise there were so many different ways to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think I'm just kind of stick I'm gonna stick to the three, six for the minute. Yeah. Oh, and the box. I've been doing the box as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and maybe just I don't know, do you recommend that? Like just doing one for a period yeah. of time until you kind of get really familiar with it before maybe bringing another
0: one in yeah so so the, I, i'm glad you felt like that reading the book because the whole inspiration for the book is that i didn't want people to have to read put it down and do an exercise and then not pick it up again mm. i wanted the breathing to be in the words
1: yeah.
0: so and so at the very back of the book there's a link to the 10 days of breathing challenge which is free on my website and that's me guiding you through 10 minutes of breathing for 10 days and it's 10 different recordings so for people Especially a, a busy mother, go straight to the ten days of breathing challenge. Click yeah. the first first one and just listen to the ten minutes. So okay. you don't have to decide what type of breathing. You don't have to do it's anything.
1: Guided through it. Guided
0: yeah. through, and you're okay. all there. And then from there, you'll start to really feel what ones, you know, what type of breathing really works for you. And the book is then a great reference to go and find out a little bit more about those as well.
1: Yeah brilliant one last question sorry because I I literally could have you on for eight hours um what is the biggest so obviously we just touched on the pandemic and I've seen this so much as well um what is the biggest complaint that you have from people like what is turning them to breath what is the biggest emotion the biggest sensation the physical ailments what what is going on for people
0: um I think it's the obvious one of levels of stress and and tension in people are so high. I, You know, in all, all my years, I have never seen anything like it. Um, and we, I have the privilege of, we have events um, maybe even twice a week, you know, so I'm meeting a lot of people. And and these are people who are open to coming to, a, say, an event of mine, you know, so they're already open to the idea of, of breathing or cacao or Wim Hof, whatever it is. And, lots of those people are saying to me after a few minutes of breathing oh my god i haven't felt this relaxed in months years you know because Mm -hmm. i think even without knowing it they're being locked away you know science shows as being locked away from other humans increases levels of aggression and anxiety you know we, we know that and then there's also this strange feeling of being let out of the cage and you step outside and there's like a strange feeling of of oh my God, you know, it's so uncertain. And
1: reintegration.
0: Yeah, and I think that brings with it a different type of pressure. And I, think, and I think initially, like myself, we kind of, the restrictions were lifted and we went, like, we're going everywhere. We're doing all the events, you know. And then there's a, a, a kind of moment of readjustment after that as well. And I think that's where we are a little bit. It's like we've been locked away, we've been open, we've reacted to both. And where are we now? And in that uncertainty comes kind of levels of stress and anxiety. And that's really what I'm seeing at the moment.
1: Mm. Yesterday, I released my podcast episode about burnout. And I feel kind of that's where where we're getting to this kind of perpetual stress. Just bills and bills and bills until we've actually, we are just so depleted, so exhausted. Our mindset is on the floor. You know, people are really struggling with yeah. self-judgment self-belief yeah. um and yeah so if we can have these tools like breath yeah the cold water the tapping meditations yeah. anything to help us feel a yeah. little bit better because the more I'm sure you connect to this already but the more positive feelings we have in the body and in, in you know, in our physical body and our energy field, the more we're gonna to get to a tipping point where we are attracting back into our lives more of that positive feeling. And I think people are, the, the dense energies that we're carrying at the moment, we're actually manifesting more negative things yeah. in our lives because we haven't been able to let go. We haven't been able to, to, to release
0: we haven't come back into the cave yet we're outside the cave yes. running around being hunted hunting and uh we haven't come back into that sanctuary yet mm. which we need which we need we desperately need uh, even in small moments during a busy day and i think when we there's a thread that connects all these practices that we're talking about and it is it just helps us slow down for a moment. So when we're tapping, we're slowing down. When we're breathing, we're slowing down. Be
1: mindful. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and it's you know it's these sacred moments, even in the day, just to sit and do nothing. Imagine that. Imagine doing nothing for a few minutes, not on the phone, not you know, not just sit and do nothing, and let let ourselves kind of catch up with ourselves before we go on to the next thing.
1: That is so lovely. You know, we are we are raised to be doers. We are programmed. We're conditioned to crack the whip on ourselves constantly (laughs) and as moms we have this weird phenomenon of mom mom guilt like who the hell created that I I mean like we need extra pressure on top (laughs) of ourselves oh no I'm gonna whip myself yeah because I'm sitting here having a cup of tea
0: yeah
1: you know I I have a zero guilt policy. I really I allow myself to feel guilt, and then I investigate why I'm feeling yeah. that guilt, and then I very quickly tap it away because yeah. it is one of the I think pointless energies. But moms somehow feel like it's a badge of honor to hold guilt.
0: Yeah, and when we think of uh, mothers particularly, and it could be a, you know a, a parent in a family, if that parent is well everything works everything works better if that parent is sick it all starts to kind of fall apart a little bit and that's where anyone who's feeling any sense of guilt about looking after themselves has to you know if you need an excuse it's like the the, the person who's healthy in the middle is helping everybody is if that person becomes run down and burnt out there everyone suffers you know so it's like Mothers, especially, look after yourselves. You know, because for a lot of people, the mother is is that is that centre point in the family.
1: Yeah, and we we forget about our emotional health as we think often about our mental and physical health. Um, And I really don't think we talk talk about our emotional health as much. It doesn't seem to have the same, you know, like mental health hashtag. For example, the emotional health hashtag wouldn't even get close. But actually, for me, it's the emotions is almost this equal weighting, if not even more important to be releasing.
0: Yeah, and it's more complex. It's more difficult to get a hold of. You know, that's why it's kind of, if we have kind of physical health and my arm's fallen off, we we can get a grip of physical health. Mental health, we're getting better getting a grip of mental health, but still too subtle or too kind of taboo. And then emotional health is like... (laughs)
1: <laughs> I know. Do
0: what do you mean <laughs> i know
1: i'm like that's what i feel i need to be pushing more is yeah. the awareness of our emotional health yeah because that's what leads to the physical ailments yeah. you know
0: yeah. yeah absolutely you know you can it's it's the it's the one that people find most difficult to get a grip of because it's so subtle but it's the one that actually feeds into into our mental health feeds into our physical health yeah yeah
1: yeah and then Um, as the mum is the pivotal point of the family, a mum with poor emotional health or suffering from heavy, Mm -hmm. dense emotions. And again, emotions, you know, serve a purpose, like you mentioned before. It's just energy in our body. We don't need to hold them. And and our sensitive family members pick up on Mm -hmm. those emotions. And then when they see mum not feeling emotionally strong, they then get anxious as well, you know. Yep. And I think not to add any guilt to anybody, right? Because I I don't um, agree with that. And um, we just have to be aware that our emotions have the utmost of importance, and we need to be looking after them. Um, and if we can do that through through the breath, like like I was using just yesterday, I had a day out with Casper, and I, many times I had to take those few breaths just to to bring me back down and and to step and to also the a couple of times yesterday in my head I had he's just a boy he's just he's just playing or he's just testing a boundary now that often hasn't come into my head and I do think it's the breath that gave me that perspective like we were talking about earlier that expansion that openness To see and to just go, oh, he's just actually trying to be funny, but he's not
0: Mark (laughs) and he's really annoying
1: me. (laughs) But in his eyes, he's just doing what he he's just doing what six year old boys do. I sometimes have my expectation of him is is actually unfair. You know,
0: so the breath gives you gives us that little bit of space to to watch our reaction before we react mm. you know to feel the reaction before it comes jumping out of our mouth you know and in that little bit of space we can see that wider perspective that it's just their nature you know yeah. they're not trying to annoy us they're just a child you know <laughs> and they're probably looking at us going these big humans are so annoying you know they're <laughs> stopping all my fun i want to put this one yeah. in my mouth what's the oh. problem
1: she's just reacting all the time <laughs> yeah and you know a lot of that's down to our conditioning and how we were parented so you know there's a whole host of things going on and we haven't even touched on ancestral trauma but maybe that's another conversation that's another episode (laughs) yeah I love talking about ancestral stuff but um yeah it's definitely in my plan for the future oh gosh I mean literally could keep going but thank that is brilliant I I hope everyone feels really calm after just even listening. Oh, let's do one breath, okay? So let's end, pick a breath, pick a style.
0: So if if people want to just close their eyes for a moment, not if you're driving, obviously, (laughs) but just close your eyes for a moment and just soften your eyes. Now soften your jaw and your mouth. Soften your shoulders and your neck. We're just going to take a breath in And just sigh and let go as you exhale. Twice more like that. Breathing in. And really letting go. Last breath in. And let it all go as you exhale. Open your eyes when you're ready. And that's a good way to let it all go
1: just three breaths that easy yeah it's so easy isn't it and we think we expect things to be hard don't we that's what I loved about tapping it's just like it works and it's quick so yeah it works breath works and it's quick so amazing thank you so much Neil for your time you're very welcome you're really really appreciate it great to
0: chat love to chat
1: oh thank you Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this chat and have had a few light bulb moments. Have a think about what your key takeaways are. Please do subscribe, follow or leave a rating or a review to help this podcast reach more people. I really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out my website to take my quiz and start ramping up your self-care practices. www.tappingformums.com